Now everyone, just a quick note from me before we get into the episode. I've started a series of online events all about how to market and produce webinars successfully. If this is a topic that would interest you, I would welcome you to come along completely free of charge. If you visit pickingupperfection.com slash webinars for all the details, and I'll put that link in the show notes too. Hope to see you there and let's get on with the show. Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of Picking at Perfection. Thank you so much for joining me on the show where we break down society's barriers of perfectionism and perfect expectations. Today I'm so excited, I'm joined by my guest Murine. Murine, welcome to the show, thank you for being here. Thank you very much Alistair, it's a pleasure. And do you want to start by giving a quick background information as to who you are and, and what you do in your experiences so far? Of course, uh, first of all let me thank you for inviting me, it's my first first podcast ever and I'm very excited um, also I listened to quite a few of your podcasts I really love it great what you're doing here and more than happy to be here um, who I am my name is indeed Marijn van Buren uh, I know it's quite a difficult name but don't worry about that um, who am I I as a kid I always wanted to be a, an inventor I wanted to help the world and find ways to do it um, and the moment I was able to actually start working I got out there and try to do my best in order to add to the world. I did an awful lot of things in, in the old days. I even was post delivery guy um, up until working in restaurants, but also marketing, sales, done a little bit of everything. Um, and eventually I ended up in the event sector where I started my own business. And I'm currently working on a new concept to support the event industry um, called Eventmender, by the way, in case you wonder. Uh, so I'm finally doing what I wanted to do, building things and helping people in an industry. Awesome. Thank you for that great intro. And it's it's interesting, actually, because obviously before we just hit record, we were talking about motive um, and getting things out of different situations in this podcast, of course, in particular. What I think so wonderful about what you talked about, your career, career aspirations as a kid is looking to help people by inventing something. I think that's so noble. And if only more people could perhaps adopt their attitude um, to helping people and finding solutions, I think that would be great. Definitely but, agree. But tell me about your journey from sort of working in an event agency to moving to your own business. Was there kind of a process of realizing a need or, or a gap in the market and perhaps linking to that that point earlier of helping people? Yeah, for sure. Like for me, um, I was working in a company called Solar Plaza. They were doing physical events in the solar industry. Great company, had the best year ever in 2019 and were set to even reach higher goals in 2020. And then the pandemic hit. I was actually there finding a way how we could add value to sponsorships, um, finding a new way how we can up the price a little bit um, by really going more into the value-based approach rather than the cost-based approach. Um, and by the time the pandemic hit, there was pretty much no one within the company that realized what we could do different. The only pretty much first uh, solution they came up with was postpone, postpone, postpone. But the most important event of the year was heading and there was quite a lot of sponsor value uh, involved in that project, as you can imagine. Uh, and it had two weeks to be done. So me and a colleague of mine, Leoncio, great guy, we uh, got together and in one of my previous jobs, I facilitated a show called um, Block Stage, where we put blockchain companies um, on a stage and investors could pitch in. So they didn't have to travel all the world. They could just sit behind their desk and participate and see the pitches of those companies. And I thought maybe we can 
figure something out there. And that's pretty much where I started on the journey and find out that Zoom wasn't really cut for this because you also need the networking aspect. And there's a lot more to an event than just being able to see someone present something. Um, and after those two weeks, we found a solution. It was huge success. We were able to retain all the sponsorship value, but the management was pushing back. They were like, nah, next week we're going back to in-person events and everything is going to be normal. It was really the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and that's where I kind of got into a clutch with the, the management. And I felt like there are a lot of other people out there, event organizers that really could help uh, use my help. That's where I got in touch with another company that were like, oh, please help us to put all our physical events into a virtual solution. Um, and so I pivoted from working in a company to starting my own company. Um, and yeah, since then it has evolved to what is now called Event Mender. Um, which has more of a upscale approach. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, so many good and relatable points, um, you know, not only our event industry colleagues, but, you know, everyone working in different fields will know the feeling that the pandemic and the impact that it had on their career. Um, events, especially, as you say, nothing could meet face to face. And I think I was somewhat in a similar boat to your employer as to saying, no, you know, it's going to blow over. We'll be back on site in no time. And here we are kind of two years later. So hindsight is a wonderful thing. But I think a good thing that's coming out of the, the pandemic, at least if we can look at the silver lining, is perhaps that people like yourself have realised there's a need, different areas and have started sort of their own enterprise. Um, and I've definitely seen a real growth in sort of entrepreneurship and things like that. But talk to me about how it's been from changing from an employee to a company to starting your own and sort of leading a team and being the head kind of decision maker. Was that a transition of mindset for you? It, it was a big one um, in a lot of ways. I always was aspired to eventually start my own company, um, but I didn't really realize all the different pieces to the puzzle that are added to that. And Obviously, you have a lot of responsibility whilst you're working within a company. But the moment that you kind of feel that every single piece of the company is on your shoulders, it might get a little bit overwhelming. Um, luckily, I have a lot of amazing people around me that supported me and that helped thinking with me in terms of what kind of solutions I could take in, uh, put into place. Um, I went with more... Um, freelance model so i the people i worked with were also freelancers so i didn't really had to worry about oh i have all these people working for me and the moment i don't get a job they don't have a job because everyone had their own way of working in the industry but we could add and help each other there um but yeah it has been quite a, a big mind shift not just um in terms of what kind of responsibilities you have but also much more focusing on finding that bigger picture because you're no longer focusing on one particular part but really about all the pieces to the puzzle and especially you have to think about the future there has been quite some shifts there yeah. really interesting thanks for sharing i i love the the model there you said about sort of a freelancer model because that's almost inspiring your well technically employees but i guess more contractors in this instance to also be sort of entrepreneurial which i think is a a great sort of mindset and ethos to have about a company for sure. But with all those kind of difficulties in mind, um, in terms of thinking of the, the change mindset and that additional responsibility of being sort of the, the buck stops with you as the company owner, can you tell me more about the turning point um, in terms of actually making the instant change from employee to business owner? Was it gradual? Was it instant? Or was it sort of reactive to the pandemic? Um, 
A little bit of both. I think in terms of the mindset of wanting to become an entrepreneur, it has been quite gradual. As a teenager, I was always, you know, I wanted to help a lot of people, but I felt I needed a lot of resources for that. So I was always looking for ways how I could make money online. And in that process, I came across an awful lot of great ideas on how to get, you know, passive income and how you could use the internet as, um, as your oyster, more or less. And, um, you know, the world is your oyster. But the thing is, there are also a lot of scams. So I was quite skeptical and I didn't really went full in. But I also stumbled across a lot of motivational speakers that were helping you find yourself like Tony Robbins, for instance, you most definitely know him like that already changed my mindset before I even realized I am going to do my own business. Um, and it all kind of accumulated to that till a point where it really had to be done because of the pandemic, but also because I really saw a need in the market. And I felt if I keep fighting with the management I'm currently in, I'm not going to help anyone. Um, and the moment I decide to take that leap of faith or however you want to refer to it, um, yeah, then I might be able to help a lot more people than just trying to convince someone who doesn't want to be convinced. Um, and that's pretty much where the shift happened. And the moment I made that realization, it was very quick. And like two weeks later, I was registered in the Chamber of Commerce and I had my own business and I had my first client right away because obviously there was quite some demand at that point because no one knew what was going on. And I was very happy and lucky also that I was able to do an event so early in the pandemic because that kind of automatically made you the know-it-all of virtual events because you were the first one to do it. And didn't mean I knew everything. I have learned an awful lot in those two years, the past two years, just by doing it, but also knowing that you at least know a, few, a, a little bit more than that other person and you can help each other figuring it out, how you can take that to the next next step next left next level um and in that sense it was quite gradually but the moment i shifted it was very quickly and it was really due to the pandemic uh, emerging amazing i think you used the phrase leap of faith there i think that's totally apt um and yeah it was you know it's a huge leap but it clearly it, it's paid off and I, I think it's obviously a combination of sort of enthusiasm and mindset that you've perhaps already had through sort of being um finding those sources of inspiration with those speakers but also drive as well you know saying two weeks in that you're already working on your first event and, and registered is incredibly impressive and i think that perhaps a lot of people out there don't maybe don't know where to start um perhaps they've got an idea and they don't know how to to go about it what would your kind of advice be for anyone listening to this thinking oh i really want to start something but i don't know what my next step should be don't overthink it and just do it like taking action is the most important thing and i learned that again and again um also with this new concept i've been postponing it a long time because i was like ah, i don't don't feel like it's really the best fit and how do i know for sure that i can that it's actually valid within this industry and people want to use this um and that's also good because it's always good to get some extra research in and make sure that there's actually a need for what you're putting out there. But the best way how you figure that out is by just doing it and pivoting as you go. It doesn't mean that the idea you have should be the final idea it can always change. Um, but if you don't put yourself out there, you will never be able to validate it. It will, you know, like the more you postpone it, eventually you won't do it. And that's something you will regret pretty much the rest of your life, at least. That's what I've been told by all those motivational speakers. Um, 
And that's also what motivated me to just, just do it. And worst case doesn't work and no one is waiting for you and you pivoted a billion times, you can always take a step back or even get back to, to the, the industry you were working in and find a different way, but at least you tried. And I think that's something that a lot of people should do. Just, just try it, put it out there and you will find that a lot more people are supportive supportive of it but also you know uh, yeah that you will be more successful than you think you will be just by taking that step i love that thank you so much for sharing i think i'm a huge advocate of acknowledging that everything is a journey um i i think maybe like you say people overthink it and get to the point where they where they want to launch and they think they have to have a hundred percent polished idea and i think it can still be a concept at that stage and can still develop and there's a great advice as well from the founder of not on the high street i don't know if you're familiar with that brand it's quite a big brand in the uk her name is holly and she holds sort of events and maybe some coaching inspiration sessions and she always says on her podcast that people come up to her and say oh I really want to start a business but um, you know I don't know how to get off the ground and she always says that she turns around and shakes their hand and says congratulations you've just started your business because they're almost people are waiting for someone to give them the thumbs up and go ahead uh, and I think some of those people have probably gone on to be successful as well so I really like um, her sort of inspirational level of things on that. Very true, very true. So obviously today we're talking quite in depth about um, events so I want to to move to talking maybe more to the technicalities of virtual events. So, you know, even people outside of the industry will, of course, be aware that not really or that face-to-face -face events have not really been happening since the pandemic started, or at least not in their full scale. Do you, what's your kind of personal feelings? Do you think that virtual events are a good replication for in-personal events? Um, a real one-on-one -on -one replication, no. But I think they are becoming more and more an essential add-on to what is going to be the new type of in-person events. Um, and in that sense, also the hybrid setup, I think that is really going to be, or is actually already the, the new norm of organizing events. I think it's not really that, you know, every event can be replaced with a, a virtual alternative. I think there are some aspects of in-person events that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much features and wow factors you implement in your platform, you still miss those sensory kind of interactions, whether it's smell, whether it's touching something, whether it's meeting people in person. And that's really, really, really hard. Even if you have it VR, it still isn't like the real thing. And I think it cannot never replace that, but it is a huge additional added value here. Um, and that is something that I really like virtual events for because it's the perfect way of not just growing your audience and being able to reach more people but also include those that were previously excluded and it can be someone who broke their leg who is not able to come there or it is someone who's really shy very introvert and who doesn't like to be in you know uh, 10,000 people in an in-person event but is still very interested in the content that's being shared and that's something that I think is really essential to make sure that your event is in inclusive as possible. Mm, I love thinking about that element. I think that's possibly something that not a lot of people would think about because obviously during the lockdown and the pandemic that different countries experienced, we were all sort of homebound, but perhaps when we were planning in-person events, we wouldn't think about the fact that someone could be homebound for a, for an injury or a disability. So that's an interesting, um, interesting comment and thought. I don't know if you follow Sam Allen on LinkedIn. She's um, an event professional and she's the founder of event MCs and I recently attended an event of her and hers and something she said really resided with me 
that, you know, virtual is, is not a type of event. It should be seen as a venue. So event planners at the start now just need to consider, you know, there's all these locations and things like that. And virtual is also a venue or a forum for the route to go down of the event. And she was talking a lot as well, and I completely agree with her, and this is within my mindset as well, that the purpose of what the event is trying to achieve is absolutely essential at the front of that. Like you say, if the purpose of the event is to network and meet people face-to-face and have, you know, catch-ups over coffee, there's never truly really going to be replicated over um, a virtual kind of setting. Whereas things like presentations and keynotes and other sort of features like that can be delivered successfully. So I think it's about rather than seeing things as virtual hybrid or in person, it's going back to purpose kind of led uh, events as to what is the end result and thinking about that. Very true. I can I can only attest to that. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with um, actually a, a Dutch event professional, Nathan Biersma. Um, and he also mentioned that the, the change we will most likely see is the fact that we realize that indeed you can provide content in a very good way online and therefore there's no need to have presentations that take hours of your time and you almost fall asleep um you can easily put that as only month content and then in the event itself have like a, a small snapshot of that particular content piece the most important the thing that everyone is is one willing to listen to and make the rest of the event just about connecting with each other because that's what we have been left out on the most, I feel like, at least in the past two years. Mm, absolutely. And and for me, certainly as well, sort of going to the face-to-face events or the few face-to-face events that I have, there's certainly a shift in that mindset. And I think that almost there's an overemphasis perhaps. So the face-to-face I went event I went to there was sort of an overemphasis on networking almost making up for the two years that we'd had without speaking people face to face but I think that that will level out eventually um, and then that's probably skewing the purpose ever so slightly at the moment based on the fact that we're all craving a bit of human connection perhaps and some you know coffee breaks (laughs) (laughs) very true very true so obviously part of your business model is comparing different platforms for virtual events and making sure the well very much that making sure the purpose of the platform is suited to the event and the different features that you need i mean based on our conversations um prior i think i know the answer to this already but is there like a perfect solution is there a one-stop shop or what do you think on that kind of side of things in the technical aspect of the platform um there are more and more one-stop shops emerging especially because they just buy up any feature that is available uh, out there. Uh, you can think of like the the bigger ones, like a Cvent, for instance, or or Fivers, that pretty much have a solution for everything. But doesn't necessarily mean that that is the best match for every event organizer. And I think it has a lot to do also with the brand you identify with, um, their way of presenting themselves. And in that sense, every platform has their own identity, has their own specific mix of features, even if they are a one-stop shop. And therefore, up until this day, there's not one platform that is a great match for everyone. I think it's very important to realize what your event goals are and what you really want to achieve in that event as you also mentioned Um, and there will always be a different outcome especially because every platform is rapidly changing as we speak there is probably 10,000 new features being developed um, for every platform out there so the the market is constantly changing um, and therefore 
you know, the best match today can be a different best match tomorrow. Mm, definitely. It's definitely, well, people are picking up on the need. Uh, you know, it's a growing, hugely growing market. Uh, I think I read somewhere that virtual events have, you know, got grown by 400% or something crazy like that, which to say it out loud sounds sort of crazy, but I guess looking back on on the need and demand, it, it, it makes more sense. But I'm sort of seeing you as almost like a, a venue sourcing agency, but for, you know, virtual virtual venues, knowing that the pros and the cons of each and and making an attuned fit is is that kind of a good comparison do you think i think that's a, a very good comparison actually um <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty much what we do uh, we try to defer ourselves if you compare it to for instance a g2 where you also have the whole list of all the event platforms that are out there is really making sure that it's matched based upon your event goals and help you to also understand what your event goals are because <laughs> mm-hmm. some event organizers tend to struggle with that but also you know make sure that it's not just the features that are a match um, it's the the whole feeling of that platform um, that matches your brand identity that matches your event goals and in that mm-hmm. sense we take it one step further um, and try to uh, yeah, help people find that best match. Mm. No, and I think what sort of a thought that struck me while you were were talking there as well, this is a really sort of important conversation to have at the very, very start, because I guess once you model your event and, you know, contract a a platform, if you then decide your agenda doesn't really suit those features or you need an additional feature, then it's sort of no going back unless you want to delete all the attendees and make them re-register, which I'm sure you probably wouldn't. Very true, very true. (laughs) And you mentioned earlier about um, virtual reality as well. I just want to touch on this sort of briefly. Is there any sort of virtual reality solutions included in sort of your comparisons and your offerings at the moment? Uh, At the moment, we have an, uh, it's called the MR solution, if I'm correct. So it's not really putting the glasses on your head and being all immersed in in the 3d space but it does provide you with 3d avatars so you can walk around it's more like a sims game you could see it like that um i think there is definitely a, a place for those kind of platforms and especially with everyone talking about the the most common buzzword at the moment which is the the metaverse um i think there there is a place for that but as i see it right now there's a lot of complications for one not everyone has a oculus rift uh, nearby um second thing do you really want to have something over your head for a longer period of time um and as i also mentioned previously even if you can mimic exactly every single detail and it's in super high quality it's still not the same as holding a product if you talk for instance about exhibitions um i think it's a tricky one i think there is a place for it and it's very uh fun to do it once because it's a little bit different and you can make your own avatar and in that sense make it more interactive but it also tends to lose its new kind of feeling very quickly and then you're like oh it's pretty much like any other 2D event out there, but with a little bit of a different way of, of graphical uh, engagement. Got it. Interesting. I've, I've not, well, I don't have the headset to start with. So I guess that probably limits me attending. Um, it, I guess it is something that I would like to do. I, I Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm interested to see how it develops. Um, certainly, I the events that I manage and produce in, in my sort of um, career and job role at the moment, I, I can't personally see a place for it. I think that they would always want to have the either set of virtual hybrid or in person because for me virtual reality 
it maybe blurs the lines a little bit too closely. Um, perhaps, you know, trying to replicate real life with, uh, you know, virtual reality, whereas there's always sort of the realization of a virtual event, the fact that it is taking place on a screen. That for me is is a good barrier to know that, you know, it's happening on my screen, whereas there's almost a line that's crossed personally for me with virtual reality. But that's not to say I would rule it out. I'm sort of intrigued, but scared at the same time. I can imagine. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about uh, the perfect sort of platform there, drop the, the P word. So throughout this sort of process of um, all of the, the pivoting that you've done from in-person events and, and going from an agency to owning your own business, I can only imagine that you have an interesting relationship with perfect. Has there been any times where a sort of perfect expectation has held you back or you've overcome that um, to sort of plow on with the cause and the, the greater good that you're working on? Um, I have a complicated relationship with perfect. Um, in a lot of ways, it helps me because I, I'm 100% a perfectionist. A lot of people also called me out for that. Um, as in, I like it when something is perfect. I'm kind of in the, the autism spectrum there where I'm like, I need it to be exactly perfect and every detail worked out. But yes, it has held me back in a lot of ways because then I'm like, yeah, it's not perfect enough. So we cannot release it and we cannot show it to people. And over the past two years, at least, I've learned an awful lot about that. And to, to let that go up until a certain point where you still strive to perfectionism or to the perfect solution. But I think you also mentioned it in one of your previous podcasts. It's a lot more about the journey towards getting something that's perfect. And even if it is perfect, you know, it doesn't, then it kind of stops because then, oh, it's perfect. So like in order to keep moving and to keep growing, you have to always strive for perfectionism, but not let it hold you back as in, oh, it's not perfect yet. So I cannot do it. That's also how we currently try to make clickable prototypes and like very basic prototypes with just the um how's it called again type form um where you know we give people the idea of what we are trying to do without having it all perfect worked out because it will take a lot of time to develop that and then if you figure out it is not perfect you kind of have to break it all down so it's much better to go with imperfection and embrace that whilst you're going while still striving for that perfectionism but not letting it hold you back or feel negative about that it is not a perfect thing because it will never be perfect and that's a beautiful thing i i feel like and that's something i've definitely learned a lot about in these past two years and i will learn a lot more about it because i am saying this but it still holds me back and then it sneaks in and then i'm like ah, like i don't know if it's a great example but i'm working on implementing asana at the moment and it's a tool that you can look at it from a billion different angles and i had a vision that it should be perfect and everything should be clear and all the parts of the company should be in there and everyone should be able to see it and then i'm overthinking it so much and then it took me like three weeks in order to make a decision like okay we have to just go for the most basic thing and not have it perfect because it's holding me back i've been thinking about this three weeks and i could dedicate my time to a lot more useful things for the business um, you know, it's it sneaks in every now and then, but I'm getting more and more aware as we 
as we go. Thank you for sharing. I think oh, you, we sound very similar. What you've described is very much um, similar to, to how I feel as well. And, you know, it's so funny. I was laughing along with you saying there about implementing Asana and making it perfect. And it's almost counterproductive because Asana is supposed to make you productive, but trying to per perfect it. But you know, I've been there the same with, with systems. And I think that, uh, you know, our event industry colleagues will probably relate because I think perfectionism is rife uh, in the events industry, certainly. I think it's sure. definitely important as you say, to acknowledge that it's a journey um, and, you know, it's not going to be something that you can um, eliminate. I think it's a balance of having, you know, like you say, striving perfection, but also making sure that, that things are workable and almost a work in progress. I was actually speaking to a colleague the other day, and I think part of the, the almost simplicity or um, looking for a better word other than beauty but when we pivoted from that sort of week or so pivoting from in-person events and converting everything to virtual there was almost a real luxury of sort of we had done virtual events before but it was nothing we'd done on that kind of scale you know like you say new platforms available we were actually in the process of transitioning to a, a, a better system there was almost kind of beauty of you know, being able to hold your hands up and go, well, what's going to happen is going to happen because there's no alternative. Whatever happens on the virtual event, it, be it perfect or be it not, it's a replacement for the in-person event, which has, of course, been cancelled. And I think that that is probably that time, that month or two months so process of converting is probably when I have learned as much as I ever have perhaps in my career because there was this just test it and see if it breaks and see what happens kind of mindset because everyone was in the same boat of, you know, this has been thrown upon us and almost like using it maybe as a little bit of an excuse to to try and break things and to push the the limits of what we could do without fear of it, it not being perfect because it was always going to be better um, than not having the meeting anyway. I can definitely... Definitely relate to that. Yes, indeed. Um, using it more as an excuse, but it was a good excuse. And that indeed helped us to move even further and also push those platforms to get to that next level and push ourselves to that next level. Because yeah, you had to find a way to make it work, good or bad. Um, but indeed, yeah, it was kind of a, a period of freedom where I also learned an awful lot uh, on all fronts. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Period of freedom. I like that. We'll use that to describe it. Well, Marine, this has been so insightful. I really enjoyed chatting to you. Um, I think you did a great job on your first podcast. You interview like a pro. So well done on that. And thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us insight into your journey and experience. Happy to hear that. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for being such a welcoming and warm host. I really enjoyed the conversation didn't even feel like an interview. So yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time. <laughs>